episode number 177 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stanett. Everybody, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and professional speaker and presenter. On this episode, we're going to continue our masterclass about presentation skills. And obviously, if you've if you've tuned in for the last couple of episodes, um, the masterclass is going to we're going to cover a lot in the next few weeks. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we started out by talking about how to reduce nervousness. Uh, and, and then last week, we talked about how to increase your energy and enthusiasm. Um, this week, we're going to focus on how to organize a presentation. So depending on what type of presentation that you're giving, we're going to give you some really cool introductions and some really cool conclusions that you can use and also how to organize, show you how to organize your your thoughts in the middle. In addition to all that kind of stuff in the next couple of weeks, though, we're going to show you how to be a better storyteller, how to be more persuasive, how to design your speeches better, you know, basically be able to design speeches in, in half the time, really. Um, so, so make sure to not miss an episode. Um, so again, this week specifically, I'm going to talk about how to, you know, some tried and true presentation openings and a couple of really foolproof conclusions that you, that you can use in your next presentation. Uh, by the way, I have created a free downloadable guide for you. All you have to do is go to fearlesspresentations.com slash audio dash guide. So it's fearlesspresentations.com slash audio dash guide. We'll put that in the show notes as well, uh, but you can access it every week. We're going to add to that. So if you if you downloaded the, um, the, the guide last week, then make sure and just go back to the same. You don't have to... to um, re-verify yourself or anything like that. Just go back to the same link that was sent to you in the email and you just go back and hit the refresh button and all the new stuff will be there for this episode as well. Um, so make sure and kind of keep up with that. Um, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure and do that and also rate us, uh, give us a review, love hearing and seeing those kind of things. So enjoy this session of the masterclass. Chapter three, organizing your speech with a great beginning, middle and end. In our technology-centered world, information moves very quickly. So we're constantly being bombarded with so much information that out of necessity, we tend to disregard most of what we're exposed to. 50 years ago, psychologists determined that the average attention span of, of a person was about two minutes. However, today they say the average is about eight seconds. So if you doubt the findings of these psychologists, just listen to a headline news report on radio or TV. Most of the news stories that you watch or listen to, they're going to be about eight seconds in length. And, and those that are longer will often be broken up into sound bites that are, you know, you guessed it, about eight seconds long, right? My point is, is that if we want to gain and keep the attention of our audience, we really only have a few seconds to do it. So rather than starting your speech with a preamble such as my speech is about or today I'm going to tell you about, you know, those are kind of preambles. Instead, just jump right into your presentation. 
One of the ways that you can do that is to get their attention like a newspaper story would or a TV reporter would by giving the who, when, and where in the first couple of sentences. And then you can spend more time telling them exactly what happened. You know, for example, if you begin your speech with a with a story, which by the way is a really good way to start a presentation, your first sentence might be, you know, about 2 years ago I was working on a similar project with Joe and Steve in Dallas. The who, when, and where is a fast and easy way to get your audience's attention. And it also gets the specifics of your speech out to your audience in a, in a more clear and concise way. By the way, this type of introduction works extremely well, especially if you're beginning your speech with a, an anecdote or a personal story. Another way of getting attention quickly is to start at the most impactful part of your report. Movie makers learned this lesson quite a while ago. Um, if you if you watch a film made prior to like 1980, you will likely be bored to tears in the first 10 minutes. The reason why is because the storyline of movies prior to like 1980 they typically follow a timeline where there's an introduction that slowly builds to a climax. And then the movie ends in a conclusion that ties everything up in a nice little bow. So uh, it's funny because my son and I started binging like classic movies lately and living in Texas. We started with the John Wayne movie, the, the Alamo. It was, it was 1960. I, I remember, by the way, I remember watching this movie when I was a kid. So I was excited to kind of share this experience with my son. And about seven minutes in, the credits were still rolling. You know, my son was watching a TikTok video on his phone to kind of pass the time because it was really boring. So what I did was I fast forwarded through the movie a little bit. And in, in really the first 40 minutes, just had a bunch of people talking. There was a single Davy Crockett fight scene, which was kind of absurd, you know, because I think he was like 90 at that point, right? And at the As the movie progressed, though, more action began to take place until the climax at the end. So it started really slow and it kept building and building and building. And eventually it got to the point where it was, you know, the, 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 the end had the actual battle of the Alamo and, it, but just in hindsight, kind of looking back, it was really difficult for both of us to, to pay attention to the movie all the way through. So the next movie that we kind of binge watch was The Empire Strikes Back. So that's 1980, 20 years later. And by the way, this was one of my favorite. This was this was by far my favorite Star Wars movie. It, it still is my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Um, but this movie starts out with Luke Skywalker getting captured by this weird, abominable snowman thing. And then Han Solo has to brave the Arctic weather to save him. And then Darth Vader attacks the rebel base. And all that's happening in like the first 20 minutes of this movie. Then there's an hour of, well, pretty much nothing. Right? It's like not a whole lot of action. You know, the story is developing, you know, so they started with the really cool action part, but then they kind of slowed it down a little bit. So it's basically, it's kind of like, it's it was very similar to the Alamo with an exciting, totally unrelated start. <laughs> it was basically the start was totally unrelated to the rest of the movie. So it was exciting in the beginning, but then it kind of got boring again. So um, and then later, um, just recently, anyway, we, we watched the movie, We Were Soldiers. So this is 2002. So this is another 20 years down the road. And this is a movie about the Vietnam War. And by this time, filmmakers had kind of changed what they were doing pretty dramatically. The movie starts with the first battle of the, of the Vietnam War. And by the way, the movie actually 
ends with the first battle of the of the Vietnam War. So you see the first few minutes, the first few action-packed moments of, of that battle, and then it concludes with you know how that battle actually ended up. And uh, the middle of the movie basically gives the backstory of how the general who who created this this situation. And um, all of the soldiers who are, you know, a, a lot of the soldiers anyway that were fighting there, how they actually got there. So they gave the backstory in the middle of the movie. Uh, and so it's, it, it. by the way, the movie is highly entertaining all the way through. Um, it's really easy to to um, pay attention all the way through as well. So today, if some type of action isn't happening in the first few minutes of, of, of any movie, then moviegoers are going to just get up and leave, right? Movies today, they start with a lot of action. They start with controversy. They start with suspense. They're doing that to capture our attention. And then they fill in the details of what happened earlier as flashbacks if they if they need to. And you can use this same technique in your talk as well. You can start at the most impactful part of your report and then fill in the details later as as you need to. So like for example, for example, let's say that you're leading a safety meeting and um, we, I mean, you could start with something really controversial or something shocking, like hey, 32 people lost a limb. 12 people were decapitated and eight people died last year because they forgot to do one simple thing. You know, by starting off with something like that, I mean, that's pretty action packed. That's pretty graphic. That's pretty dramatic. Um, so uh, it, it really captures the attention of the people who are in the audience. Or if you're, let's say you're giving a financial report, you might begin with something like um, we were $32,000 under budget this quarter. And this is how we did it. Right, so we got the result right there. We're all kind of paying attention. It's like, oh, wow, how did we do that? That's kind of cool, right? So basically, by starting off with something like that, you're getting your audience right into the middle of the action, and it works really, really well. So another good way to start your presentation is to begin with an overview of your main points or conclusion. Now, we'll talk about this, this a little later in more detail. However, an easy and really informative way to start your presentation is just with a quick overview. You know, like, for instance, you could say something like, my topic is, and then just give them the title, and the things that I'm going to cover are, and this, then just give them a list of your, your main bullet points. This is an amazingly simple starter but it's also very powerful. This opener takes away all of the confusion about what the presentation is going to be about. And you're actually telling them right, basically what it's about right up front. And also, if you design your title and your key points really, really well, which we'll talk about again later, then this overview will also give the audience your conclusion right up front. So basically, it solves a bunch of challenges. It also basically makes your, your presentation much easier to remember when you finish it as well. So now that we've covered a few presentation starters, let's talk about organizing the middle of your presentation because that'll make the conclusion a whole lot easier as well. One of the things that we must remember as a speaker is that we communicate in words, but our minds actually think in pictures. <laughs> Therefore, even with a complicated and complex machine as the human brain that we're dealing with when we're communicating, when we communicate, we need to focus on one specific point at a time. I give you a really good example here. I want you to just real quickly think about an elephant. So that while you're thinking about the elephant, what do you actually see in your mind? You probably formed a picture in your mind of an elephant. You probably see the trunk, the big ears, the leathery skin. And now, now that you've kind of gotten that down, think of the Statue of Liberty. So now what do you see in your mind? 
Do you see the statue? Can you see the torch? Can you see the green discoloration from the copper? So here's the big question though, where did the elephant go? So your, your picture of the Statue of Liberty probably replaced the picture of the elephant. When we know that this is how our mind works and how the, the minds of the people in the audience works, then we can actually use it to our advantage when we speak. So rather than having 10 points or 20 points, our maximum number should probably be around five or so. In most cases, three is actually a better number. And for short talks, little short presentations, less than maybe three or four minutes, then you should probably cover no more than one major point. The bulk of your talk should be built around supporting each of those points, whether it's one, three, or five, make the bulk of your talk supporting each one of those major points. The reason why you want to limit your main points is basically simple. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, man who chase after two rabbits catch none. <laughs> And it's the same when you're speaking. If we cover 10 different items in a cursory fashion, then our audience is likely to remember none of them. But if we focus on one major item and support that idea with evidence, then our audience is more likely to retain the information. So sometimes folks will kind of ask me, but wait, aren't there some times when you need to cover more key points? And the answer to that question is yes. I mean, there are going to be times when you must cover a lot of stuff and your time is limited. But most of those situations, by the way, are actually self-imposed. Often, we see other people in meetings giving hundreds of bullet points. And in our minds, we're thinking, yes, that presentation stinks. And yes, they are very boring. However, that's the way that we're supposed to be doing it. You know, that's the way that everybody organizes their presentations. So I've got to do it that way as well, right? Yep. That's why everybody stinks at giving presentations too. Most often, these self-imposed rules are created to try to solve a problem. However, those rules actually almost always cause more problems. You know, for instance, I've had a couple of people kind of ask me, hey, that sounds good, but what happens if you're presenting a sales presentation? Let's say you're competing for a contract or you've got a bid that you're, you're presenting for. And basically, the question that they'll ask me is, you know, we'll need to get across to our audience that we're really good at quality, right? We're also very timely. We're also very good at staying under budget. Our safety is great. Our experience is phenomenal. We have great teamwork and a myriad of other things that they kind of throw in. How do we get all of those things across in three main points? And my answer is always the same. Well, you don't, right? You don't cover all of those things. Out of all those things that you mentioned, one is definitely going to be the most important thing to the decision makers on this project. So it's best to find out what area of interest that is. Then build your presentation around that thing. If you do that, you've almost got a 100% chance of winning the job. The reason why is because your competition is most likely going to design a very complicated presentation about dozens and dozens of items. They may cover that one thing or major thing or things that are most important to the buyers, but if they do, it, they're likely only going to cover it in kind of a cursory way. The presentation is also going to be very boring. It's going to be very unorganized. It's going to be very confusing. So why would these buyers hire somebody that was boring, unorganized, and confused? 
right? So my advice is always to ask questions of the decision makers before creating your presentation. Find out which one of the areas that you could focus on will be the one most important item to these decision makers. The bulk of your presentation should focus on that one major thing. Then find out what the second most important item is and spend a little less time on that. Do the same thing with the third most important item. And by the way, it's best to focus on three items just in case the thing that you've determined to be the most important turns out to not be the most important. That way you've got some backup there. But if you can prove to the group beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can accomplish the top three things that are most important to these decision makers and your competition doesn't do that, you've got a really good shot at winning that contract. So this technique can also be used with any presentation, really. If you start by focusing on the number one most important thing to your audience, then the people listening to your talk will be all ears. It's the thing that's most important to them, right? You'll be telling them exactly what they want to hear and what they need to hear. So what about meetings? What happens if we always cover at least 10 things in our meetings? We have to cover that many things, right? This is going to sound kind of harsh. If you are trying to cover that many topics in your meetings, then your meetings are probably very long and very boring. And also your meetings probably don't accomplish a whole lot. So if you narrow down your your agenda just a little bit, you'll probably get better results and just try it. And if you don't, you can always go back to your long, boring meetings if they that actually, you know, if they actually work better. So whether you're organizing a meeting or a just a general presentation, the real reason for narrowing down your points to just a few main concepts is that this process makes the conclusion so much easier. For instance, you could just give a summary of what you covered at the end as a conclusion. If, you, if you've narrowed down your topic to three key points, then your conclusion could be as simple as, so in summary, my three main points were, and then just recap your three main points. So by doing your conclusion this way, you're also refreshing the memory of your audience. So when they're now, they're now more likely to retain your main points. Now, here's another way that you can kind of end your presentation. It works really well. End with a call to action. So another option would be to ask your audience to take some type of action at the end of your presentation. This, this ending works especially well if you're trying to persuade your audience. Basically, you tell your audience what you want them to do based on your presentation. Don't just leave the action to their whim. When you're presenting, you're basically a salesperson. You're selling an idea to that audience. Ideas in and of themselves, though, they've got no value whatsoever. The value actually comes after somebody uses that idea to solve a problem. So help your audience make that connection. So an example of this type of conclusion would be, so based on what we've covered, I'd ask you to then just give them the action. And if you do that, then you're going to get, tell them how they're going to benefit from it. So more on this, by the way, when we cover our session on persuasion, whichever way you decide to conclude though, prepare your final words in advance and be clear and concise, limit your conclusion to just a couple of sentences and you will have great success. So here's an action item. When you design your next presentation, make a list of the top 10 items or bullet points that you think your audience will be most interested in. Just write them out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. For instance, if you're giving a quarterly financial report, 
make a list of the top 10 changes that have occurred in the finances of the organization this quarter. Or if you're informing a group about a new product or a new service, make a list of the top 10 aspects of that product or service. Just basically make a list. And then once you have those items listed, go back and rate them based on their importance. The number one thing would be the most important to the audience, the thing that the audience really needs to know. And then the second most important would would be number two. The third most important would be number three. So basically rate each of those 10 items. And in, uh, in a future session, we're going to show you how you can actually use this list to design the backbone of your presentation. By the way, here's one more tip to apply this in the real world. One of the keys to being remembered positively as a speaker is to make a very good first impression. You want to grab the attention of your audience very quickly, and you want to use a little bit of showmanship in the process. So make a list of good attention getters that you can use in future presentations. Don't try to come up with an entire list at once, but but when you come across things that you can use Make sure and jot them down. Just write them down. A good story, an analogy, a metaphor, a provocative statement, even a powerful visual aid can grab the attention of your audience. So start making your list now. So thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. Next week, we're going to cover a session on how to be a better storyteller. So if you've ever been in one of those situations where you were nervous speaking in front of a group, or you wanted to really capture and hold people's attention, or you felt like, God, man, people really aren't, I'm really not a good storyteller, then make sure and pay attention next week because we're going to give you some really cool, simple things that you can do to improve your ability to captivate your audience with a good story. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.